are here for a reason. This, 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 this news just in. Go, go, go. We are your news now. <laughs> right on radio. For continuous coverage, the latest information, separate fact from opinion. Get the truth. <laughs> Get the news. You're listening to Right On Radio.
Good morning, everyone, and a blessed Sunday to you. Uh, I'm going to be flying solo today. I wasn't even sure there would be a show today. As uh, many of you are aware, we had a pretty major storm go through, and uh, we had no power, but it came back on in the middle of the night, and uh, I'm just praising God for that. So thank you. And if my voice sounds a little bit rough, it's because I am fighting through a cold. If I do go off camera for a moment, it's because I do not wish to blow my nose in front of you. And yes, I got my Kleenex box right beside me this morning, but I'm here to serve you because this is such an important chapter and I know it's very timely for us as well. So let me just open up with a word of prayer. Abba Father, we give you praise for this day. We give you praise for your word. Father, you have given us so many gifts, and the gift of Jesus Christ, who came and died on the cross and lived as a human and became the first God-man, is the ultimate gift. But Father, not to be uh, put past that, Jesus Christ is also your word. And it's going to be the reading of your word this morning that is so important because every word that is from the Lord is important to our lives. These are our instructions. These are our revelation of who you are and what we are to do while we are here on this earth. So, Father, I pray that your word goes forward and that we have understanding, and it touches each one of us in a personal and divine way, Lord, divine in the way that only your Holy Spirit can deliver that message into us. And so, Father, I pray for myself, but I'm hoping that everyone will agree. We give the Holy Spirit permission to do the revelation of the Father in us and to speak to our innermost being and to saturate us with your word that it may take place in our beings lord this particular chapter father is instructive and it's imperative that the church understands this so father i pray for even deeper revelation of who the church is but also father our calling and I pray this in Jesus' name. Anyways, good morning once again. Just give me one second, folks. I gotta close my window. I've got uh, we've got chainsaws going around cutting all the trees from uh, the storm that we had last night. Just give me one second so you don't hear the chainsaws. <laughs> All right. Hopefully that is better. Look, a couple quick uh, notes before we get into the reading of the word. Uh, thank you, Dewey Johnson, for that uh, blessed sermon last night. It seems that every time, every Saturday night sermon, the timing is so right. And and I say that because just, just the way God speaks to me and perhaps the way he speaks to you, but uh, he repeats things to me. And when we talk about God's power and God's ability to do things and, you know, we can't minimize what God can do. And, and I've been hearing this and hearing this uh, for well over a week. And then, you know, Dewey's message just really brought it home. And then uh, of course we had the singing poor prayer celebration last night, which was just, again, it, it's just run with such excellence by watching wall and, uh, and Shiloh, 
just really, really done with excellence. And what an amazing group, uh, singing, praising, worshiping, and it really was ministering to the Lord. But I want to give a testimony from it because yesterday I had pulled my back out. And uh, usually, you know, it happens to me every two or three years, lower back. Uh, you know, I used to play football, rugby, a lot of contact sports and stuff like that. And, you know, my back has taken a bit of damage. And uh, so the lower back goes out every couple of years for a bit. And it usually, you know, takes a week or two uh, minimum to come back. Uh, now, it wasn't out really bad, but it was out bad enough that I was doing baby steps and my wife had to go and walk the dog, which is something I really enjoy doing, but I wasn't able to, you know. Um, so I, I was sitting out on my patio and I'm listening to Singapore and uh, I'm so thankful that uh, the prayer was opened up actually in praying for me. Um, I'm blessed <laughs> to to have, you know, people even think of praying for me. But, uh, and no one prayed specifically for my back because no one knew about my back. But I guess it was about 45 minutes in, I uh, got up from my table and I was just going to go to another location in my house uh, where there's a bit more light because <laughs> we had no power. And uh, when I stood up, my back didn't bother me. So that could only be the Lord. I'm telling you, that could only be the Lord. And that's just a, that's a small thing. That's just... That's just a, a little personal thing. Imagine what God can do and is going to do um, in the in the near future. And I know we've been saying this for over a year, but I really believe and I, that word suddenly. And you know, when you think of the six days of creation and how much God can do in a day, uh, I think there's going to be a day. I don't know when, but it'll be something that no man can achieve and uh that's going to be coming up so uh, praise his name all right so this is an important chapter because it is really the first missionary journey and it's because the gospel is meant to be spread throughout the whole earth just as when I was praying, the Father has given us the gift of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And the Father is his kids, his his people here on earth, and, uh, and he entrusts us to do this. And so there's a lot of really deep truths in this particular uh, chapter. And I won't be able to hit on them all. But, uh, you know, fortunately, you know, Saturday is, is typically my Sabbath and I spend time in the word and I spend time uh, praying and with no power and no distractions, there was a lot more time for prayer. So I'm just going to trust that uh, God gives me the uh, the important stuff that's for, for us uh, who are uh, partaking in this uh, message uh, whenever you're listening to it, whether you're here live with us and thank you for being here live of course, everyone. Uh, but if you're listening to this on replay, that's fine too. Uh, I pray that this message is for you. All right. I put on my glasses and here we go. It's a fairly long chapter, folks. So uh, bear with me as we go through it. Chapter 13, the book of Acts. Now there were prophets and teachers at Antioch 
in the church that was there, Parnabas Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manien, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were there serving the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set Barnabas and Saul apart for me, for the work to which I have called them. Then when they had fasted, prayed, and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they reached Salamis, they began to proclaim the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they also had John as their helper. Uh, that's John Mark. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they found a magician, a Jewish false prophet whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the pro proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence. This man summoned Barnabas and Saul, excuse me, <coughs> and sought to hear the word of God. That Elimus, the magician, which is uh, his same name translated, was opposing them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from faith. But Saul, who also known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, stared at him and said, You who are full of deceit and fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, Will you not stop making crooked the straight ways of the Lord? Now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and not see the sun for a time. And immediately a mist and a darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking those who would lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had happened, being amazed at the teaching of the Lord. Now Paul and his companions put out to the sea of Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia. But John left them and returned to Jerusalem. But going on from Perga, they arrived at Pisidian, Antioch. And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. After the reading of the law, and the prophets of the synagogue officials sent word to them, saying, Brothers, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say it. And Paul stood up, and motioning with his hand, said, Men of Israel, and you who fear God, listen. The God of this people Israel chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with an uplifted arm, he led them out of it. For a period of about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. When he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he distributed the land as an inheritance, all of which took about 450 years. After these things, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, 
the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. And after he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, concerning whom he also testified and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. From the descendants of this man, according to the promise, God has also brought to Israel a savior, Jesus. After John had proclaimed before his coming a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel, and while John was completing his course, he kept saying, What do you suppose that I am? I am not he, but behold, one is coming after me, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. Brothers, sons of Abraham's family, and those among you who fear God, to us the message of this salvation has been sent. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, recognizing neither him nor the declarations of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled by these, condemning him. And though they found no grounds for putting him to death, they asked Pilate that he be executed. And when he had carried out everything that was written concerning him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead, and for so many days he appeared to those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, the very ones who are now his witnesses to the people. And we preach to you the good news of the promise made to the fathers, that God has fulfilled his promise to those of us who are the descendants by raising Jesus, as it is also written in the second psalm. You are my son today, I have fathered you. As for the fact he raised him from the dead, never again to return to decay, he has spoken in this way, I will give you the holy and faithful mercies of David. Therefore, he also says in another psalm, you will not allow your holy one to undergo decay. For David, after he had been served God's purpose in his own generation fell asleep and was buried amongst his fathers, and underwent decay. But him who God rose up did not go undergo decay. Therefore let it be known to you, brothers, that through him forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and through him everyone who believes is freed from all things, from which you could not be freed through the law of Moses. Therefore, See that the things spoken of in the prophets does not come upon you. Look, you scoffers, and be astonished, and perish, for I am accomplishing a work in your days, a work for you would never believe through someone should describe it to you. As Paul and Barnabas were going out, the people repeatedly begged to have these things spoken to them the next Sabbath. Now, when the meanings of the synagogue had broken up, many of the Jews and the God-fearing proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who were speaking to them and urging them to continue in the grace of God. The next Sabbath, nearly all the city assembled to hear the word of the Lord. 
But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began contradicting the things spoken by Paul and were blaspheming. Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and said, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first, since you repudiate it and consider yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles, for so the Lord has commanded us. I have appointed you as a light to the Gentiles, that you may bring salvations to the end of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And all who had been appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was be be being spread through the whole region. But the Jews incited the devout women of prominence and the leading men of the city and instigated a persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their region. But they shook off the dust from their feet in protest against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were continually filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. So just right off the top, um, this is Paul's first, you know, real sermon that we have here and uh, as a missionary. And, you know, that really could deserve <laughs> a master study and uh, an entire day being devout to it. But there's so much richness in this. And uh, I believe I'm going to bring out some stuff that maybe you've considered, maybe you haven't considered as we go through this. Uh, there's so much. It's a fun chapter. And I, I uh, you know, obviously I just love Paul. And I think most of us do, uh, you know, look at the masterful works he's done, like the book of Romans and his uh, true knowledge of the scriptures. Uh, just excuse me one second. All right. Thank you for that. So the first thing is, it says there now there were teachers and prophets in Antioch. And you have to understand there's two Antiochs because they start in one Antioch and they go to another Antioch. And there's a couple things in this chapter that are a little bit weird. So the description of the people who are with them. And uh, I also want to point out that it says, um, set Barnabas and Saul apart. And I want you to notice that it's Barnabas's name first, again. And we're going to have to really watch this relationship because there's a, an amazing lesson coming in uh, in chapter 16. I can't wait to get there with you uh, about Saul and, uh, and Barnabas. But they were teaching, and there was Simeon, who was called Niger, which is essentially is uh, is saying he was a black man. So, yes, the church was diverse right off the top. Um, this is for everyone. And there was Lucius of Cyrene and Manian, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch. And so, you know, I'm trusting other people's study of history. Uh, I'm not the best historian, but... 
apparently the what most scholars tend to agree on was that Manny and and Herod the patri the patriarch were both breastfed by the same woman at the same time so there was a close relation to them and there was Saul who also is going to be known as Paul and while they were serving the Lord and fasting the Holy Spirit said set Barnabas and Paul apart for me for the work which I have called them and then they fasted and they prayed and they laid their hands on them and you know I'm just going to take this opportunity to talk about fasting for a second because uh, we don't talk about it enough and probably we don't do it enough I, I certainly don't I, I was in the habit of fasting quite regularly uh, for a period of time and it's something I you know really need to get back to but one of the interesting things about fasting is it's almost the opposite of every other religion um, other religions or faiths you know say that uh, these things are given to you and i know muslims uh, certainly uh, go without food for a period of time certain times of the year and stuff like that but uh, really what sets the christian faith apart is it's the denial of self um, and you know certainly food is important to us but it's the denial of self that when you look at the ten commandments for instance a lot of them are denying the things that you know the world tells us are good you know the world tells us to be promiscuous for instance uh the world tells us all kinds of things and that we should you know do what thou wilt <laughs> that's what the the world teaching is and you know, God says that things are permissible. And even when you're born again, uh, we, we're still going to sin. And if you're born again and you you don't break a commandment, does it mean you lose your salvation? No. No, but you will suffer the consequences. It will come back to, to get you. It's, uh, you know, you can tell your child not to touch a hot stove. But when they touch a hot stove, they're going to get the consequences. And, you know, that's one of the key elements of our faith. It's the denial of self because God is all things to us. And there's not a void that God cannot fill. And so in fasting, it's the denial of ourselves to allow the Lord to come in. And we we don't do this for the Lord, because the Lord doesn't need any favors from us. We do it as a denial of self in praise to the Lord. It's it's a form of worship. And I think that that's a, just a really important point to make. So they fasted, they prayed, and they laid hands upon them. And I do believe there is something very special about obviously prayer, but the laying on of hands. And is it necessary for a healing? Is it necessary to send someone out? No, God can do all these things. He doesn't need us. But I do believe there is power in it. And, you know, when we think of how God made us, he made us 
energy beings. We're, we're filled with atoms and cells and electricity. And every one of these atoms that makes us up is held together by the glue of God. And so when when you have God's energy, and I don't want to sound New Age-ish, uh, New Age copies the things that God does and they turn them into their selves and turn you away from God. But the fact is, God is holding you together. He's holding everything in the world together. Uh, if he thought it, and it could all split apart in a second. That's why there's no armies that stand before him. When we look at, uh, you know, it, as we did in the book of Revelation, we look at uh, the Battle of Armageddon. It's, it's a half a verse, folks. He wipes it out. And, you know, Gog and Magog, that final stand, you know, same thing. No army. Because he can just, the atoms can just dissipate. Like, there's nothing that goes against him. But having that energy inside of you, which is God's spirit energy, I believe there is something that's really special when we actually place hands on each other. And, you know, just as I'm saying that, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about this, uh, this thing that we just went through and, uh, you know, we're, we're alone together, you know, but we had to, uh, to be apart. And I just think of how many special things that we are missing by that, just that human touch and that human embrace that, uh, that so many of us were denied over the last couple of years. So um, they laid hands on them and sent them away. By the way, is my voice okay, folks? It sound, feels like it's crackling up here a little bit. Uh, I hope it's okay. Let me know in the chat. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit... And so this was a direct order from the Holy Spirit. This was an audible command <coughs> by God himself. And they went to Seleucia, where they sailed to Cyprus. Uh, and I believe that Barnabas was originally from Cyprus, if I remember correctly, a few chapters back. And they reached Salamis, and they began to proclaim the word of God in the synagogues to the Jews. And when they had also had John with them, their helper, they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos and found a magician. So this magician, and it points out that he was Jewish, but this was like a new age magician. It's, you know, a lot of people, they can take... Uh, Whatever, you know, some people th take a little bit of Hinduism, a little bit of Muslim, and they put take, they take together the parts that they like, and then they make, that's, that's what I believe. That's my truth, they say, uh, because they want to exclude the parts that are, you know, quite honestly, that reach us and, and give us conviction. They don't want to experience conviction, and without conviction, there, there is no law. God is law. And, you know, it touches on the law later in Paul's speech. But what was the purpose of the law? The law did not save people. So what was the purpose of it? Well, when I look at it, now obviously the, the depth of the word of God is, is so profound. But just on a surface level, the purpose of the law 
is to expose the sin in our lives and to tell us, look, these are my commandments. These, these are the important things to God. And as children of God, you need to keep my commandments. So we need order in our society, and God gave us that. But through the law did not come salvation. And Paul touches on that as he goes through. So we have this one called Bar Jesus, and he is, you know, obviously connected because he's connected to the proconsul, which is like the governor, uh, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, it goes to say. And this man summoned, again, Barnabas and Saul, notice the order of the names, and sought to hear the word of God. But the magician uh, was opposing this, and he didn't want Barnabas and Saul to meet with the proconsul. So why would that be? Well, to me, I think it's because obviously this uh, bar Jesus was connected, and he's connected to power. And if someone came in and contradicted his new age uh, sorcery that he puts out, he's going to lose his power and his favor. And he doesn't want that. But what's amazing is that if he did not oppose it and he just wanted to listen to the Lord, how much more power and favor could he have had? Well, I think it probably turns out well for him. Uh, just give me one second, sorry. Uh, sorry, that's a little bit embarrassing, folks, but hey, uh, it's life, and I am a human. Uh, although I'm part of the new creation, <laughs> I'm going to be like God, and I'm going to see you all in eternity. Uh, but Saul, who was also known as Paul and filled with the Holy Spirit, stared at him. And, and so what's interesting here is it says, but Saul, who was also known as Paul. So it introduces the name of Paul here. And he probably grew up with both those names, Saul and Paul, although God certainly gave him the name Paul. Uh, Paul means kind of a little guy. Uh, he's he's a little guy. And, uh, you know, from the description of Paul, and there's really only one written, recorded description of Paul, and it was from this town uh, that they went to. Um, and he, he was a short guy, he broad shoulders, you know, um, but he definitely had an attitude. And, you know, Paul, who's filled with the Holy Spirit, and you got to remember, this guy is named after Bar-Jesus, and he claims to be of the same bloodlines as the one that, from the King David. Um, <clears throat> and Paul stares at him and says, you are full of deceit and fraud, you son of the devil. You enemy of all righteousness, will you stop making crooked the straight ways of the Lord? And then we have a miracle happen. 
And we think that all miracles are going to be good. But in this case, the miracle is, Paul said, Now behold, the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and not see the sun for some time. And then a mist and darkness came upon him, and he had to be led by the hand. And I honestly think this was the grace of the Lord on this man's life. And he had to be led. Uh, he certainly believed in the power of the Lord from this moment. And, uh, you know, perhaps even went on to be saved. But then, uh, with bar Jesus out of the way, they went to the proconsul. And uh, the proconsul believed when he saw what had happened, being amazed at the teachings of the Lord. So it, the proconsul did not just believe because there was a miracle that everyone in the town would have been talking about. But he was amazed at the teachings of the Lord. So then they went out, uh, Paul and his companions went out to see from Paphos and came to Perga and to Pemiphila, but John left them and returned to Jerusalem. Now, John Mark was their helper. So he was essentially uh, almost like a, a secretary. And by the way, this is the same John Mark that went on to write the Gospel of Mark. So, you know, if you think that you have a small job in the kingdom, you never know where it's going to end up. Uh, he ended up writing the Gospel. But he left at this point in time. And no one knows why. There is only speculation. Now, John Mark was a cousin to Barnabas. And one of the things that, you know, people read into it, and we don't know this for sure because the Bible does not explain it. Um, you know, he could have been homesick, just wanted to go back to Jerusalem. That, that could be fair. But we notice that Barn, it's always Barnabas and Paul, but after this, it's Paul and Barnabas. It's because we see a shift happening in leadership, and Paul obviously rises up and starts to take charge of this missionary journey. And it's Paul who gives the, you know, the the sermon coming up. So. You know, uh, th that's interesting, and I believe that will play into the lesson that will come up in uh, in chapter 16 that, uh, that John Mark left. But going on, they went on to the next Antioch, which is like near Turkey, and on the Sabbath day went into the synagogue and sat down, and after the reading of the law, the prophets of the synagogue and officials sent a word to them, saying, so they'd always read the law. They would do some liturgies in a synagogue, then they read the law. And it was tradition that if someone was visiting, uh, and obviously Saul is a rabbi, a man deeply with deep knowledge, that they would be invited to give exhortation. And by the way, I just I just thought of this now. Uh, this is the habit that is now happening in Singapore because after the prayer, uh, she opens it up and lets people come in to edify, and and that's exactly what's happening here. 
So Paul motions his hand and says, you know, men of Israel and you who fear God, listen. So men of Israel, so he's talking to the Jews, and you who fear God, I believe he's also talking to the Gentiles here at this point in time. And he made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt with, sorry, uh, the God of this people Israel chose, our fathers, made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt and uplifted an arm and led him out for it. And for a, 40, for a period of about 40 years, he, that's capitalized, as in God, put up with them in the wilderness. He put up with his people because, of course, they were complaining and, you know, going around the mountain. But when he destroyed the seven nations of the land of Canaan, he distributed their land as an inheritance, all of which took about 450 years. And after that, he gave them uh, judges and, and until the time of Samuel the prophet. So he's Paul is giving a history lesson about what they have been teaching in the synagogues every single Sabbath, and yet they're denying the Christ. And he's convincing them using their own knowledge to say, listen, this has been fulfilled, essentially is what he's doing here. Um, and he goes into, you know, uh, to Saul because they gave him a king and the, and a man of the tribe of Genemet, uh, Benjamin, by the way, Saul, who's also named after Saul, the king, uh, and Saul was also a Roman citizen, but he was of the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Jewish Jew, but he was a he had the inherent rights of a natural born Roman. So Paul is very well positioned for uh, what he does here. And after he removed him, he raised up David to be his king. And he goes on to say that, you know, David was man that God loved. And the Jewish people all know this. They praise David. But he goes on to say that David, his body decayed. Jesus' body never did decay because it was a fulfillment of the scriptures. Jesus rose again. And he came with the baptism of repentance. And that, you know, when you repent of your sins and you believe upon Jesus, you will be saved. That's not, you might be saved. You will be saved. When you think about that, and we, you know, we started off by just talking about miracles. Does God do miracles today? Is not being born again one of the greatest miracles? It gives you who have a fallen flesh, you who are condemned, you came from dust, you're condemned to go back to dust. But by believing on Jesus, you are now going to be given a new body and you can enter into the kingdom of God as a new creation. 
to live forever. Miracles happen every day. If this isn't one of the greatest miracles, I don't know what it is. Do we take it for granted? Do we not realize how big of a deal it is when someone comes to the Lord? This is why the Lord is dispatching us. This is why the Lord, Jesus was a missionary, and this is the first missionary journey of the church, essentially. What's God telling us to do? How big of a miracle is it when someone comes in to the kingdom of God? How much of a celebration is there in the heavens for each one that is added? You know, how long are we here for? Well, a maximum of 120 years. But this is eternity. There is no measurement for eternity. It's eternal. We can't even conceive what eternity is in our minds. So for you to be transformed into this new creation, which God himself made himself small and came to be born of a natural womb, to live blameless for 33 years, to fulfill every prophecy about him, which I believe was 256 Old Testament prophecies. I hope I'm right on that number. I might not be. But, I'll, but I always remember there was a mathematician who did the calculus to put this into perspective that Jesus fulfilled every single prophecy about him. And the calculation to make this relatable is if you can picture the state of Texas, which is a big state, it's a big landmass, and you were to fill the landmass of the state of Texas with $1 coins about one foot deep, the entire state of Texas filled with $1 coins one foot deep, and you were to mark an X on one coin, put it randomly somewhere into the state of Texas, filled one foot deep with these coins, and send a blind man into that mass of coins, and for the blind man to pick up that coin marked with an X on his first attempt is the mathematical equation of one man fulfilling the 256 prophecies. Now, I can't do the math on that. I'm trusting this mathematician. <clears throat> but when God does something, he does it and makes it so it's impossible to deny that God did it. Just like his word. People say that, you know, oh, there's books missing. There's books. And, and listen, I'm sure there are other 
texts that were written by good people of God, maybe even Holy Spirit led. But God, who created the heavens and the earth, can keep a book together. And when you follow some teachers, like a, like a Chuck Missler, who was really good at the numerology of the Bible, and you look at how deep it is, how the numbers work, how the letters work. When you, when you break down even the very first verse in the book of Genesis, when you break it down in the pre-Canaanite Hebrew alphabet, which contains numbers and symbols, you essentially have the entire Old Testament in just the first verse of the Bible. And I would suggest that you can do that with every single verse. In our 120 years, not one of us could measure the depth of God's word. All right. So again, you know, Paul's whole sermon uh, really could use a, an entire uh, time here. But uh, let me get to the couple other parts here. So David serves his purpose, his body decays, and he doesn't. And then, therefore, see that the things spoken of the prophets does not come upon you. He gives a warning to them. And he, and he basically mocks them. He says, listen, you teach this every single day and you don't believe the words you're saying. He's using their own teachings, not against them, it's really for them, but they took it as being against them. Because, again, you know, wherever God is working, Satan wants to oppose it. This is just true. And the, one of the greatest tools that Satan has used throughout the centuries has been the religious systems. Who was the greatest enemy of Jesus? Well, it was the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders of the world. God hates religion. God we do not partake in a religion if we are born-again Christians. We are part of the way. We are part of the faith. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So we are in the way. We are in the way, and the way is in us. Because when we do say that prayer and we become born again, the Holy Spirit enters you. You could not be a new creation. You could not be this new creation that Jesus came here to become. So God created man in his own image, but man fell. And God cannot be part of sin. So God had to reinvent man, mankind. And how, does he, how did he do that? Well, he sacrificed himself for our sins forever. Our sins of the past, our sins of tomorrow, our sins of all the future. And he 
became the first God-man. It is a new creation. He is the new Adam. And we become that as well. And when we become born again, the Holy Spirit enters us. We could not be a new creation. We could not be the new God-man unless God came into us. And that's his promise. It's our advantage over the entire world. Sure, Christians are persecuted. Sure, you can, you know, you can't say anything about any other faith or religion, but you can pick on Christians. Hallelujah. It's because we're the way. If the world was for us, we wouldn't be in the right place. The world is against us. Thank the Lord for that. But also, we're not victims. We're sons and daughters of the King Most High. We have an unfair advantage over the entire world. We have the God Most High living inside of us. This is a great miracle. Man, I'm, I'm getting off the book here. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be preachy. But maybe it's a good thing. So we get down to verse 42. Uh, Paul goes through this master class of a speech, much like Peter's first ones and uh, his first sermons. They're just incredible. The depth, the history, the knowledge that well, Paul had studied all of his life. He was a, a Jew among Jews, but someone like Peter, who was just a, a plain fisherman, you know, he was given that revelation by the Holy Spirit, and you know, he became an expert. And so that's again a miracle of God. But you see it flip here in verse forty-two, and it says now as Paul and Barnabas. So it's almost like a flipping of the hierarchy of them being sent out. Paul starts to take charge here. And they were going out and the people repeatedly begged to have these things spoken the next Sabbath. People were hungry because when you just read the law, when you just read the same things every Sunday or every Saturday in this case, or every Sabbath for whatever it's worth, it's, it might there might be some life to it because it was the word of God, but they've also added to it, and that's important to know. Um, synagogue of Satan, but there's life in it when they read God's word, Old Testament, New Testament, doesn't matter, it is the living word. But the real life comes in when they when the scriptures are fulfilled and. You got to remember, there was no New Testament at this time. It hadn't been written yet. So they're just hearing the New Testament for the first time. And when you hear the good news that is fulfilled, and of course, the, uh, the Jews and the people in power reject it. And I want to look for the exact word they're meeting in the city again, broken up, many of the God-fearing proselytes, the next Sabbath, nearly all the city assembled 
to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began contradicting the things spoken by Paul and were blaspheming. So why would you be filled? Well, you just have the most dynamic preacher come into your synagogue, a man truly filled with the Holy Spirit, and you don't like it. It's, just, it, it's telling you which team they're playing on, and they start blaspheming. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and said, it was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first. Since you repudiate it, consider your and consider yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Oh man, he's throwing some fire in this chapter. First with Bar Jesus and now these Jews in the in the synagogue. Since you repudiate it. And consider yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we're going to the Gentiles. And so the Lord has commanded us. And of course, Paul, you know, is kind of known as being the apostle to the Gentiles. Uh, Paul did probably more than anyone to bring it out to the uh, to the Gentiles and to the world. And I've, I've appointed you as a light to the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. Not glorifying Paul and Barnabas. They began glorifying the word of the Lord. And you're going to see a contradiction uh, to this uh, in next chapter. So uh, take note of this, that they the Gentiles rejoiced in the word of the Lord, and all who had been appointed to eternal life believed. And all who had been appointed, that's an interesting word. They had been appointed. It was like an appointment. They God particularly chose them. You got to remember, we do make the decision to choose God because we are free will agents. God's not going to be told and he isn't going to tell us. He allows us to make that choice. But he's called you. He's made an appointment with every single person on this earth. Jews, Muslim, Hindu, agnostic, just unbelievers. He has made an appointment. And for most of you, the appointment has already come. But which decision did you make? They made a good one here because they were appointed to eternal life, believed the word of the Lord was being spread through the whole region. But the Jews incited the devout women of prominence and the leading men of the city and instigated a persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their region. They shook off the dust from their feet in protest against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So just like Jesus said, you know, shake the dust off your feet. It was an insult. You're not going to carry that unclean uh, with you uh, going forward. And they were filled with joy and they carried on.
it really is a joy to have the spirit of the Lord. And, you know, as much as I love doing these shows, uh, Sunday is my favorite. It really is. It's, uh, you know, we can have all the intel in the world, but the only intel that really matters is the word of God. And we must compare everything else to the word of God. You won't know a counterfeit unless you study the real thing. Well, uh, listen, I want to thank each and every one of you for being here and for putting up with my raspy voice this morning. Maybe being a little bit long-winded, uh, but it's a long chapter in fairness. And uh, got a great guest lined up for Tuesday. I really hope you uh, you be here. I met this person in my travels and uh, it's someone who's in the fight. <laughs> oh, boy, is she fighting. Like I, I'm talking in a big way. And uh, it just, when, when I met with her and it was kind of a coincidental meeting, although there's no accidents, of course, but uh, we were really uh, taken with each other. Um, there was, it was almost like a, a special anointing uh, came into that room and we were just enthralled and not in a negative way. I know it's a man and a woman. We are in a crowded room. I want to be clear about that. But it was just like, man, like a brother and a sister um, that we're in the fight together. And, and I immediately knew this is someone I could be in the trench with. And her story is incredible. You're going to you're gonna love it on uh on Tuesday, a lot of big things happening. Um, just a quick drink of water. Also, I don't do this often, uh, but I, uh, I need to today. So I, I hope you'll put up with me for just a moment. Um, I think I've only mentioned on the broadcast, maybe two or three times that I have a patron account, not Patreon, a patron account, and it's uh, it's linked to Podbean. Uh, and I've had a few people asking how to support because they they don't go onto Podbean and they don't know that it's there. But you could actually just go onto the website right on radio.podbean.com. You can do it desktop uh, for mobile, doesn't matter. Um, and there is a donate button. It goes to a patron account, and I just want to say something about the patron account. Um, so it could work the same way as like a Patreon. Um, and I'm very upfront. I don't believe in hiding anything because people are giving to me and I'm in the public. I do show right on the front page exactly how much money is being donated to me. Um, I feel it's important to be transparent about that. So that's what I've chosen to do. And the other thing I've chosen to do and this is maybe, and maybe I might change my ways because if everyone else is doing something different, there's probably a reason why. Uh, but typically with a Patreon account, you know, people give hidden knowledge or, you know, the inside scoop on something or they'll do, a, you know, a private Q&A and it's only for people who donate and things like that. And, and listen, I get it. That's not a bad thing. And I support some of these people on Patreon uh, that do that. So I'm not coming against that. Uh, they're giving value for people who are supporting and they're making them feel a little bit special about getting 
uh, something a little bit special. And, you know, maybe I will have to do that eventually. Uh, that's a very possibility. Uh, but I chose to go a different route. And so, you know, other than just recently, I've been putting out uh, the Proverbs. It's the first time I've really ever done anything for just the uh, the patrons. And I, and I apologize that it's gone out to everyone and not everyone can open it. I've never done it before, so I didn't know it would go to everyone. Um but, uh, you know, and that was just put on my heart. So I uh, felt I was being obedient. It wasn't to get up subscription or anything. So I didn't make a big deal. I didn't uh, really talk about it. But uh, what I have chosen to do with my patron account is really just to trust God to bless you. And if, you know, if you do it to get the intel or whatever from me, uh, then I could give that to you. But if you give it because you believe in what we're doing, if you give because you've been blessed by this, the only thing I really give back through my patron account is I pray for you. <laughs> and I, I pray for everybody in the audience anyway. So even if you're not a patron, there's a, a patron doesn't have an unfair advantage or anything like that. But I pray that God blesses you. And one of the things that's always kind of bugged me about Patreon, and mine has levels and everything as well, but uh, if someone makes, you know, $100 a week and someone makes $10,000 a week, they can't give equally. And the way that Patreon has been set up and these platforms have been set up, the more you give, the higher gift you get back. And, you know, if someone who's making 100 bucks a week gives $3, that might be way more to that person than the $30 that, you know, someone or $100 that someone makes $10,000 a month gives. So, you know, I don't, I've never wanted to go into that class structure and I've just trusted God in this. Um, but I do mention it because listen, uh, inflation has hit me uh, just like it has hit you. And, uh, and the one important thing I needed to cover in talking about this is uh, if you do donate you might on your receipt on your credit card or whichever way you decide to give the billing comes from the speaker's company that is my company and i just want to say why i do that where i live in canada uh personal income tax and this is income so it it is taxed uh, is at about 50, uh, up to 50% rate. And by the way, then we have, you know, the gas tax and sales tax on everything, which is 13% where I live. Like, it's crazy. Um, you know, even, you know, property tax is like $7,000 a year. It's, and I live in a normal home, folks. It's not fancy, just a subdivision home. But uh, it's 50%. And because I want, like, obviously I want to use as much of that money as possible. I put it into my company name uh, because the corporate tax rate is actually only like 16% in Canada. So I give less to the government by doing that. But uh, many people have been confused by the fact that it says the speaker's company. It doesn't say Jeff, doesn't say right on radio. It's because right on radio is not... Uh, incorporated it's just part uh, it operates under 
the speaker's company, which is an incorporation. It didn't make sense to make another corporation for Right On Radio because Right On Radio really doesn't make money. It loses money. Uh, anyways, listen, that being that, uh, if you can donate, I certainly appreciate it. And uh, thank you for even just putting up with me saying all that. Uh, God bless each and every one of you. Have a wonderful uh, Sunday and Memorial Day weekend in the United States. It's uh, it's a holiday in Canada as well. So there's uh, Sunday and Monday, although I'm working today and I'm working tomorrow <laughs> because uh, well, there's just a lot of work to do. And, uh, and I'll see each and every one of you back here, I hope, on Tuesday. So in the meantime, remember, love your God, love your family, Love your neighbor as yourself. And I did learn that from Dewey. <laughs> and make a difference in your community. <laughs>